Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Recording this the morning of Thursday, December 29th. Hope everybody had a great Christmas and is preparing for a fun new year. Of course, everybody getting ready for the Orange Bowl Friday night. But beyond that, just a quick sneak mention. Next week, we're going to have some really in-depth stuff on the backgrounds of both Cade Klubnik and incoming freshman Christopher Vizina. Been spending quite a lot of time the last couple of weeks doing some legwork on that. So if you are already a subscriber to TigerIllustrated.com, plenty to look forward to beyond the bowl game. And if you're not subscribing, what the heck are you waiting on? Go ahead and sign up. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Okay, we've been doing this podcast for four and a half years, and there have been some really good interviews that I have sort of forgotten about. Maybe that says more about my failing memory uh, than anything. But at any rate, sometimes it's good to go back and sort of re-listen. Some of you haven't listened to them at all, to some of these interviews. In this one, we'll go back to the fall of 2018 when we chatted with Wayne Cheech Kaufman, an icon of Clemson athletics and academic support, and a tremendously fun guy to talk to, as everybody who knows him will attest. All right, here we go. Enjoy. Okay, Wayne Cheech Kaufman. All right, you you got to give the story of, of how you got the Cheech nickname. I got Cheech out of high school, and um, a lot of people think it's some Cheech and Chong, but it's actually not, even though I had long hair when I came to Clemson. 
but um, I played tennis in high school and I had a partner and I made a good shot one time and he said way to go Chichi Rodriguez not realizing that Chichi Rodriguez was a golfer so <laughs> it actually that is a true story and it started in high school uh, with one of my track teammates so that's that's the truth and how I got is how I started off as Chichi okay we're gonna go all over the place here but so you keep in good touch with Dabo to the point where recently he quoted you uh, in front of the media a few weeks ago. Can you recite the quote that, that he relayed that came from you? Well, basically I told him, you know, he seemed to be, I try to text him every Sunday night, and I started this by telling him that somebody's got to motivate the motivator. And I feel like, you know, that, uh, you know, he needs support also. It's not just that uh, the athletes need support. And so it was kind of started off as just a friendly thing of texting him on Sundays and giving him different things. And last year I told him I was the junior college marathon champion. In the last six games, I was taking him from mile 26, I mean mile 20 to mile 26. We went mile 20 to 21 with about 20 guys in the race. 21 to 22 with about 12 guys in the race and you know so we so, so, so it's kind of a game but uh that's a true story you know we ran bad at Furman one year at the Furman Invitationals and uh, the young ladies I was coaching got upset said we just don't look very good we didn't run very well today and I said doesn't make any difference I said the NCAA qualifying meets in November I said uh, look around I said the leaves are green I said nobody's going to judge you until uh November, and I said that nobody can win the crown unless the leaves are brown. And so I was a saying that I had back in the day. I used to tell all the young ladies in the fall, um, when the leaves turn brown, that's when you you need to start worrying about. It. That's when you need to start thinking about running fast. And so that just happened to be the Sunday night motivation. And I said, you seem to be peaking at the right time. You got the team going, great leadership. And I said, uh, just remember, you can't win the crown until the leaves turn brown. Okay, so you retired from Clemson well I guess semi-retired would be the, the right way to put it now right semi-retired you know I'm still working with Tiger Trust um I worked a little bit this week I didn't work last week kind of dictate my own hours it's basically you know the program that um you know that takes former professional athletes and they come back and finish their degree Daquan Bowers is currently in school um there's currently five baseball players in school Garrett Bowler scheduled to graduate in December um Andrew Kashner uh, is graduating in December um DJ Mitchell's back in school Will Lamb's back in school um and of course Bill Spires and Donnell Wofford Keith Jennings Terry Allen those are the people that have come back through the program and of course um the big one was Wayne Tree Rollins that came back. And so those people have come back to finish what they started. And it's it's always been about education. Uh, I know everybody gets wrapped up in the athletic side of things, but uh, the bottom line is uh, you got to have that degree to kind of open doors up elsewhere. And you spent how long at Vickery Hall? Well, let's see. I retired, actually retired in, uh, so I was at Vickery Hall over, 20 years you know when you start to talk about the 40 years it just runs together from 78 to 2018 but um let's see seven you know back i'm 23 24 years in vicker hall Uh so that was quite a you know that's quite a long time um four years as assistant coach 12 years as a head coach so 16 18 20 that's right about 20 years in vicker hall what does this program mean like how important is it to you as far as well i guess we can how did it what's the genesis of it like 
when did it start as far as bringing these guys back to, to resume pursuit of their degrees? Are you Can you speak on that? Well, that's something I think that uh, Billy D started a long time ago, you know, people, but it really wasn't a set program where the somebody may call up and say, hey, I'm close to finishing my degree. Can I come back? And we would check and see how much they had to finish, and then we would go ahead and have them come back and finish. So it really wasn't an official program. And then Dan Radakovich wanted to make it an official program, and so he started it. It's, it's, it's probably three to four years old. Um, I just started working. I've been retired three years, and so I just kind of started dabbling with it then. Barbara Kennedy Dixon was kind of in charge of it through Steve Dezan. And so it's probably about four years old. Okay. And so you're sort of the point guy for when they do decide. No, to- I'm not the point guy. It goes through Steve Dezan, and now since, and it used to go through Barbara. And Barbara passed away, and <clears throat> now Kevin Kennedy. I'm kind of the guy in the background that knows the school curriculums, um, trying to go back and figure out what you may need to finish. And if you take somebody that's been here, if you took a, Wayne Tree Rollins, who was here in the 70s, and you tr- and I was able to take his old PRTM information, meet with Bob Brooker on campus, and try to see where the old matched with the new. And then we come up with a plan on what you need to finish. So I'm really not the point person. I'm just the person that kind of knows the curriculums, uh, maybe for... Uh, Maybe being a dinosaur and being here so long, I know the curriculum's on campus and, and trying to uh, make sure everybody gets together and knows what it takes to finish. And Clemson still honors the scholarships, right? Clemson still honors the scholarships, We all, but, the, but the money that comes back, um, D.J. Mitchell was with the Yankees. Yankees gave money. Uh, Sam Will Lamb got money from the San Francisco Giants. Um, Terry Allen, <clears throat> Donnell Wofford, Keith Jennings, the NFL gave us $25,000 a year for those guys. Um, obviously, it costs more to do that, but we able to that's able to supplement. But to answer your question, if somebody comes back and like Garrett Boulware and uh, he, he didn't have any professional money, uh, Clemson pays the bill. Okay. And, and I guess one of the recent examples, um, C.J. Spiller and James Davis were on the field uh, at – before the NC State game or during the NC State game. And from what we heard, um, Spiller, well, actually Spiller told me during a podcast a few weeks ago that he's been on James to to come back. And actually James told one of my um, co-workers, Paul Strelo, that, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to come back. And Dabo finally got me. Uh, so I guess Dabo works on these guys, of course. And, and I guess you work on them, too, because you have really strong relationships with most of them. Well, you try to get them to finish and being able to, to be their academic advisor when they, was, when they were here. I know how much they have to finish. And so when you have somebody that gets close, um, you really want to kind of put the finishing touches on it. And James is close. And that's something that you want to you be able to do. But the other hard part is that you have to explain to people. Uh, another prime example is DJ Trahan. DJ Trahan is uh, very close to graduating. And George Bennett and Tim Beret and Larry Penley would love for DJ Trahan to come back. Tim Beret said he's the only academic All-American that, that didn't graduate. Everybody wants DJ Trahan to come back. 
the point is DJ Trahan has to want to come back. And so you do actually, there are certain classes that you just can't take away from Clemson, and you actually have to buy in and actually come back and get into the program. And I think sometimes people really don't understand that. They think, well, it's just so easy to come on back. Why can't they take these classes away from here? And you really can't. You, you, there's some you can take away from here, but you get to a certain point. And don't forget, 36 of your last 42 hours have to be finished at Clemson for you to get a Clemson degree. So you cannot take a bunch of hours away from here and transfer them in. So, or as I used to tease Billy D all the time, people would call back and say, can I finish my degree? And I'd say, uh, this ain't University of Phoenix. We don't print them off and put them in the mail. I said, it doesn't happen that way. I said, you got to come back and finish. So, but guys like Jarvis Jenkins is 13 hours away. Marcus Gilchrist is a semester away. Um, you know, so I know that off the top of my head by working with these guys. Obviously, they're still in the NFL, but I'm sure, and they both have been in touch with us, and I'm sure as soon as they finish their NFL career, we'll get them back in here to finish. Off the top of your head, do you know that stat that Dabo cites? It's an insane stat of all the guys who have played under him. There's only like... Some r- yeah, ridiculously you. small number. Yeah, of, it's a of small them number. I don't know exactly the number. It could be, I think it's six or seven of them. Um, that stat does not include the guys who left early. You know, last year, New Hopkins did take a class. But when they leave early, they're a little bit further away from graduating. But his stat is everybody that has uh, gone through the four-year program with him. And, um, and it's, it's an amazing stat. You know, it's, it's – uh, crazy you know it's a 96 97 percent graduation rate but those are the things you can count like i said jarvis jenkins and marcus gilchrist and that's that's why he wants a dabo there either those there's five or six guys and coach sweeney has kind of zeroed in on those guys and every time they show up everybody wants to know hey when are you going to get this done so we're recording this in a uh, one of the meeting rooms at the abernathy hotel and when when we got here, you were looking through the TAPS yearbooks that are sitting over by the bar and sort of going down memory lane there uh, with some of those pictures that were in there of you. Tell us the, the story of how you ended up at Clemson. How I ended up at Clemson? It's kind of a strange <clears throat> story because um, I actually played football all the way up to my senior year, and I ran with the track team just to stay in shape, and I ended up running and not playing football my senior year and running track. And uh, the team I was part of in high school was – they had won five straight Virginia championships. We won the sixth straight Virginia championship my senior year. Um, but uh, the year before that, two of the guys on that team went to Allegheny Junior College. The next year, I followed them to Allegheny Junior College. <clears throat> two of those guys, plus the best guy a year younger than me, came to Clemson together. And then the following year after I left junior college, I came down here and joined those guys. And so kind of like our high school team went to junior college together and then our high school team went to Clemson together and I actually have a newspaper article because in the fall of 1978 we won Clemson's first ever ACC championship in cross country well four of the top five runners we were from the same high school and so the newspaper article back home said Hanley High School wins ACC championship so it's kind of like, you know, it's just a takeoff. I've been on state championship teams. I've been on junior college national championship teams. I've been on ACC championships teams here. Uh, that was the first time Clemson had ever qualified for the national championships in cross country. And actually that fall, the championships were in Wisconsin. We ran horrible and we froze to death. So 
but you know being down here and and uh you know coming for a visit i remember kentucky wanted one guy alabama wanted another guy sam colson came in and made a big pitch and said i'm trying to start a program at clemson and I'll take all of you. And so there were about eight guys from Allegheny Junior College that came down and ran at Clemson at that time. So it was kind of an easy transition when you had those guys. So they were already here a year ahead of me. So when I came in for an official visit, it's the same as anybody else will tell you about Clemson. You're like, where the heck is Clemson? What's going on here? Then you come down here and you're here for a football weekend and you're going, oh, wow, okay. So... And then, of course, I knew we had a chance. I had already won championships with these guys, so I knew there was a chance we could win a championship here, and we did. And so it was an easy, easy transition. Um, And then, of course, 1981, I was a senior. It was my fifth year. My eligibility was done. And uh, Sam Colson, they were just starting a women's program. So I actually went from being on the men's team to being a grad assistant on the women's program that they had just started. And uh, 81, I graduated. 82, I started. 83, I started. I went to grad school. Um, I couldn't get in 82. I had to take GRE more than once. But uh, while I was buying my time, I worked over at Fike, and I, I worked for Banks McFadden over at Fike. So, and then I became real good friends with Fred Cohn. I mean, it's a, you know, I tell people it's a small world when you get around, you know, and you start thinking about some of the things back in the 70s of all the people that were here in, in the times we had. And so you get your master's. Got my, finished my master's in uh, 1985, and Sam Colson decided to leave. And uh, Sam Colson told Bobby Robinson that I was the guy for the job, and they named me the head women's cross-country coach in 1985. And so and then in 1989, they brought me in and said, we want you to start a full program. So then I made the transition into a full program, full track program. So can you relate the story of you were telling me a few days ago, if you had the best cross-country track that wound its way around the old Seneca Creek, I guess, uh, and, and it, it, football took it because of the practice fields? Practice fields, yeah. Well, football still had practice out there. But we would start right there where you where the where the end zone and where the where the indoor practice field is. We would start right there and go right along the moat, go back behind the maintenance shed, up the hill, across the dike, down the back hill, around the rugby field, which is now the soccer practice fields, up through the woods, down through Larry's practice field, and back to the same spot. And that was two and a half miles. We did that twice for five miles. And you could stand right there at the center, at the bottom of the hill, and watch predominantly the whole race. And you could see, you know, runners going across the dike. Fantastic course. Obviously, football got big. Uh, Had to have parking. You know, they took the cross-country course away. Then we go out, and they build us a new cross-country course out where Walker course is. And she State Coach says it's still the best cross-country course you've ever been a part of. They blazed a trail through the woods. They seeded it and had nice grass on it. I had UDM Rosie was in here for a Marika Wrestling's Hall of Fame, and she said that's still the best cross-country course ever. Well, of course, they built Walker, and now there's no cross-country course at Clemson. <laughs> wow. Okay. <clears throat> Your window into, in 1990, when Danny Ford gets run out of town, basically. What, what, what's your, 
What are your recollections of that time? What's that, 1990 again? When, 1990 when Danny Ford is out. Well, when Danny Ford was out, I don't know. 1990 was, uh, we were third in the country that year, which is the highest finish we'd ever finished. Uh, it was the highest women's finish of any sport at that time. So, you know, I've at that time, I've, I, I probably the biggest thing I, I remember about that is... Um, we had meetings uh, when they hired Coach Hatfield. I remember one time each one of us had to give up 10% of our budget because things were kind of falling on tough times. The attendance had, had fallen, and we were brought in by Bobby Robinson and said, I need, uh, <clears throat> I need 10% of your budget. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing that came. Um, I think back then, you know, being friends with Danny, but you know, football is football. To be honest with you, kind of just focused. I was just kind of just kind of zeroed in on my own. You know, take care of your own. Sure. And I was kind of focused in on what we were doing on track. And then you start working for Vickery. I yeah. don't start working until Vickery till ninety eight. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. So okay. Um, and that just happened to be something that just happened. You know, it's just uh, my wife got a chance to be director of special uh, services at Pickens County. Um, I knew they had offered her put a real nice job. They had offered her a whole lot more money than what I was making as a track coach. Um, my kids are very important to me. And I knew that if I knew that she took that job and I was still coaching, that I really felt, in all honesty, that the direction at home was not going to be where it needed to be. And so I told you know, she took that job, and uh, there happened to be an opening at Vickery, and I went over to Vickery and asked and uh, asked Billy D if I could interview for the job. And the story goes, he says, uh, if you, you don't want this job, and I said, yeah, I do. And he said, if you want this job, you'll be here tomorrow. And um, he came in at 7.30. I was waiting for him at 7.15. I did the interview, and, and uh, he hired me. So, um, And it was kind of a tough situation at that time because we, Billy D and I had to ride down to Bobby Robinson's office and tell him and Dwight that I now weren't going to be, I wasn't going to be coaching anymore. Dwight Rainey. Dwight Rainey. So this is in the summertime. So Dwight's like, what am I going to do for a coach? So for the fall, that fall, until they had time to get a coach, I met the young ladies at the president's house like I usually did for morning run. I'd go on the morning run with them. I worked at Vickery from 9 to 3, and then I'd come back down and do cross-country practice at 3 o'clock, and I did that through the fall uh, until they hired, until they were able to hire a track coach. They hired Ron Garner as a track coach. Okay, so you decided to leave coaching. Why? Well, I decided to leave coaching because of my family. Uh, I decided to leave coaching because, uh, uh, honestly, I felt for the amount of time I was spending, um, I felt uh, I felt the compensation. I was kind of disappointed in my compensation at the time. Um, back then, uh, cross-country track and field, indoor track was the only true year-round sport. Everybody had an off-season. There's no such thing as an off-season now, but back then there was. Uh, we were three of Clemson's seven. You had to have seven female sports to qualify within the NCAA. Uh, you had to have a minimum seven sports. We were three of the seven sports at that time. And uh, spending a lot of time recruiting, spending a lot of time. And, and so, you know, at the time, it, it, was just a, it was just a time I knew I could go somewhere else and work, make the same amount of compensation, and still have my weekends which I did, and I was able to spend a lot of time with my, with my children. 
So, so Tommy Bowden gets to Clemson, I guess, within the year one of your uh, stint at Vickery Hall. Um, what was it like? I, this is weird. So it is weird. You're not working for a coach. I'm not working for a coach, but you have to remember now. I didn't do. I did football my last 12 years. Okay. When I first went to Vickery, I did men and women's track, and then that was a conflict of interest because I had just left the women's program. So then I got transferred over, and I did. Um, I've had volleyball. I've had tennis. I've had rowing. I'm trying to think of a sport that I didn't have. But prior to football, which I still say was my favorite time as an academic advisor up until football, I had men's basketball and baseball. Mm. So I've always said perks come with the job. So I was in the dugout at the College World Series. Um, Unfortunately, I was in there when we uh, played South Carolina. I was at the ACC tournament with my son um, as part of basketball. I was there the night Florida State come back and beat us. And we came out, and Larry Shiat was at the bus, and Larry Shiat said, everybody shower, get a sandwich, get on the bus, and I expect you to be in class tomorrow. This was a Thursday night game. And the guys were just, they were disappointed. Um, we were all disappointed. But the fact that uh, Larry said, no, you know, you, you're going to go back and take care of business at school. And if you guys want to come back up on your own, you know, for the tournament, you can. But, um, no, this is... Uh, you know, we're going back home. So I had those two sports, and um, and I really, uh, you know, uh, when I had baseball, baseball finished with the highest GPA they had ever finished. Um, working with basketball was, was really good. Larry Shiat was good to work for. Um, those are the type of things that uh, I think I was put in there for a reason. I think, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you got to grind and uh, you, you got to work. And some people think, well, you got basketball, you only got 12, 15 players, but um, the microscope gets a little keener at that point. You know, people are watching the outside. People want to know how everybody's doing. So um, I had those two sports and um, football came call. And then I actually turned Becky down. Becky Bowman. Becky Bowman. Becky mm-hmm. Bowman was my boss. Billy D left after my first year. And, uh, Becky took over and uh, Becky came into my office and she said you know you need I need you to take football and I said yeah I don't really want them you know I really liked baseball and basketball I don't want them and she said well I need you to take them I said I just don't want them you know I'd left coaching and I'd left the pressure and I didn't want to deal with the pressure and I knew uh, it was it was going to come with you know with a lot of a lot of other things on it so I, I told her no I don't know how many times and she came back in and and uh after she had talked to Terry Don, she came back in and she said, you know, we really need to get this done. And so, uh, you know, there was, I said, well, if you want me to do it, you know, there needs to be some changes made. And, you know, several, and some of those things were, and, and then the big thing was compensation. I said, I'm not going to make this move without it. And, and uh, um, Becky was over the years, I can't, I can't thank Becky Bowman enough. Um, so she's a huge mentor. Um she her conviction is just uh you know exactly where you stand with her and and uh, she took care of me at vickery and but at the same time she knew uh you know i'm, I'm not one to not say i don't have some swag but uh <laughs> she, you know she'd come in the office she goes well the reason you got to take football is because you're the best one in the building i said well i already know i'm the best in the building um 
So it ended up working out. I took football. And uh, from there, you know, running to Andy Johnson. And it's amazing that Andy Johnson and our career are almost identical. We quit coaching at the same time. And he went into football ops, and I went over to Vickery. And then here we are later, the 12 years that I was with football, I traveled with football, and I was just kind of by Andy's side. You know, we put meals in the lockers at the end of the third quarter. Uh, we made, uh, made, you know, he made sure the buses were there. He may tell me to go do something else. But, uh, you know, we were kind of, we were for the next 12 years, I went to, I, I traveled with football. Um, so, uh, and I was on the sidelines with him. And uh, it was just fantastic fantastic job but it was part of the perk that I wanted I told Becky you know I wanted to travel with the team because I knew I could get close to the guys I knew I could maybe get get with them in a different environment besides an academic environment you know and when I used to tell them on the road to go you know they used to tease me they said now we're on the road now we know you can't be bringing up any academic stuff and I never did <laughs> I never did bring up academic stuff so um it was really a it was really a fun time in my career it was hard to step away that 12-year time frame was what years? Let's see, 2003 to 2015. Okay. You said, Becky said, and you said you were the best in the building. What made you the best in the building? Well, I think my head coaching experience gave me an advantage. I think being a former student athlete gave me an advantage. Uh, I was very... Um, I was one of 13 children. I'm the only one to graduate from high school, much less go to college. Um, I never thought I'd go to college. So I could put myself in the same exact place that those student-athletes were. And I knew a lot of the, you know, maybe some of the guys that were coming in on football, not all of them were, but the majority could be single parent, could be at risk, could be uh, just so many different things that... Uh, a lot of people are not aware of, but I could get down on their level. I didn't talk to them from a coach to an athlete. I talked to them from a person who had experience of being where they were, and I could relate to them. Um, and I got, and I got more than just acad- I could bring more than academics to them, and they could walk into my office. And if they weren't having a good semester grade wise. They didn't have to be afraid to come to my office. They came to my office for a lot, of, for many more reasons than academics. They came to my office to talk uh, about anything and everything. I can talk NFL salary cap with you. I can talk baseball with you. I can talk basketball with you. And so I can put them in a comfortable situation. And once you put somebody, an athlete in a comfortable situation and you gain their trust, then you can pull, that allows you to go inside and pull the best out of them. You mentioned you were really reluctant to take the football job because of the pressure. What are you talking about? Well, I just knew that the you know it's uh, you know football's that's obvious. Football's in the limelight here. I mean, if somebody was to become ineligible from track, it's more than likely not going to make it in the newspapers. If somebody was to become ineligible for football and not playing the bowl game, it goes across the bottom of the screen on ESPN. And now that draws a negative academic thought to your institution. Uh, Then people want to know why this guy's not eligible to play in the bowl game. Um, You know, there were just some things that, that you just felt like, I mean, everything was you know, everything was good. My, you know, my kids were fine. My wife was really enjoying her job. I had control of basketball and baseball and exactly what was going on. 
And so to, you know, kind of dip into another uh, endeavor, I had football my first three years by myself. Joe White had him for like seven years by himself. It's such a it's a so as you're talking about 120 guys uh, coming in and out of your office trying to make sure they get the right classes, make sure they get the right tutoring, and so you know you're you're a one man you know you're a one man wrecking crew. And then when it comes time to visit with recruits, you're the only one that's visiting the recruits. So you could see six to eight recruits in a day. So your Saturday morning would be get in the office about seven seven thirty, get some coffee, and when you got home, you got home. And so I knew it was going to take me time-wise, and I knew it was going to take me into a different area. It's going to take me to a different level. Um, on the other side of that, I love to compete. And so once I got into it, um, I wanted to be the best. And, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I pride myself on the work that I do. And, you know, those five, six, seven years in a row, we were in the top ten in the country in academic rates, academic rates. We pushed, uh, we pushed hard, but that's not a hard thing to do when you have the structure that's set up by Coach Sweeney. Coach Sweeney expects uh, people to go to class. He expects people to be on time. He expects people to do the things not just football-wise. That doesn't happen with a lot of football coaches. A lot of football coaches just want to win, and the other side of it gets taken care of, and if it gets taken care of, great. If it doesn't get taken care of, and Coach Sweeney believes in taking, making the whole person. And uh, if I had any issues with um, a student athlete, it was quickly fixed by that staff. And a prime example of that is Kevin Dodd. You know, Kevin Dodd and I went round and round. And I love Kevin Dodd. That's the good thing about this. After they leave here in four years, they come back and they realize Dwayne Allen said, Man, I hated you my freshman year. Mm. And Dwayne Allen and I talk all the time now. But Kevin Dodd was late for my meeting and I kept saying, The next time you just gonna have to pay. I said, I'm tired of telling you you need to be on time. So I sent a text to Hobby. Most of the time I didn't get to Coach Sweeney because it doesn't need to get to Coach Sweeney. Most of the time I could fix it myself. Um, and I think being a head coach gave me that experience. But I sent the text to Coach Hobby. I said, I just can't get Dodd to do anything on time. He needs a message. And so he goes down there. He tells Hobby, he says, can we not call Cheech? Because I think Cheech made a mistake. He said, no. He said, it's too late for that. He said, you have to understand, Cheech is the judge, I'm just the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. So, and so, and you know, Dan Brooks, you know, I'm just telling you, those guys, those guys took care of their business. It was not, you know, it was a, you know, so when, when you take care of your business the first time, it takes care. And then you got leadership. Grady Jarrett, if I had a problem, Grady Jarrett's probably, you know, one of my favorite players that I ever worked with. And Grady, if I ever had a problem, and I, I, you, you can't bother coaches with stuff all the time. They, they, you know, they're here to do other things, and they're particularly here to win. But a lot of times I'd reach out to teammates, um, and I'd tell Grady, i look, I'm having a problem, and I need, I need this fixed. I don't need to take this to the coaches. And Grady would, I'd get Grady to meet with me with the person I was having an individual situation with. And it would be something as small as being on time. It would be something as small as being 10 minutes late to class. But that's what I expected. The expectations were we weren't, you know, we weren't going to do well if they couldn't do some of the basic fundamentals of life, not just basic fundamentals of football. So, you know, I got Andre Branch on my sheet over here. Uh, he was a prime example. He came back one time from the pros, and one of the guys said, man, he said, Jesus just ride me all the time. He said, I just don't like that guy. And Andre Branch said, 
he's probably the main guy besides a football coach that's in your corner up there. He said, if you're having a problem with Cheech, he said, you're probably going to have a problem with a lot of other people. He said, I'd get on, he said, I'd get on Cheech's right side. So it's all about relationships and uh, working with those players. Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com. And we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Obviously, you're on their side. You're a Clemson guy. You want Clemson to win. But on the other hand, you have to be independent in, hey, you either make the grade or you don't. Is that not necessarily with you per se? In general, in academic advisement and administration in that way, is that a hard line to walk? No, Sometimes. no. If you, if you look in the mirror, you know, uh, everybody knows about the man in the mirror. And uh, my wife always says, once you come down the hallway and see if I'm talking to myself. I said, no, I'm just talking to the man in the mirror. If you look at the man in the mirror and you got integrity, that's not a very hard line to walk. Um, you know, you know what's what you need to do. And it's easy. That's It's easy to separate football. I really didn't have anything to do with football. And, and, and I used to tell... Uh, I used to tell mom and dads on recruiting visits, they'd say, well, you know, coach said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, the coaches have no power in Victory Hall. I used to to tell the coaches that all the time. I used to tease them all the time. I said, you have no power over here. You know, they, you know, I said, you know, you need to keep it. And Hobby used to tease me all the time when I went to practice. He got the same Victory Hall, stay off the field, you know. And so, you know, we kind of, it was, we were teasing each other, but we kind of knew Football was football and academics was academics. So I don't think that that really wasn't something that was difficult. So never any pressure like, hey, we can't have this first string linebacker ineligible for this ball game. Oh, no, 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 no. That comes up in meetings now. You would have your meetings every couple of weeks. Um, 
But we established what we call a hot list, and we establish a hot list and a hot list, so now you meet every week. But Coach Sweeney has a Sweeney huddle, and everybody talks about what's going on in football around the table. Um, you, yeah, you, would, you might get a text from a coach and say, hey, look, i got to have this kid eligible. And, uh, and everybody knows Tremaine Billy and Nick Watkins didn't play in the bowl game. Um, and 2006 Music City Bowl. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they didn't play. Um, but uh, they were taking the last 12 hours of their major, and it was the, probably the toughest 12 hours of their major. And football coaches knew in August that they were in trouble. Football coaches knew in September they were in trouble. We had academic meetings every two weeks uh, at 8 a.m. Um, down at the McFadden building. They knew they were in trouble. And the time came that they weren't eligible. Yeah, you know, you feel like um, – you kind of felt disappointed that you couldn't get the job done, but at the same time, yeah, there was some blame thrown out there. And uh, but uh, it just, you know, I just had to walk away from it. And you know, it's but once it happened, um, it's you know, it, it could have made it easier, and it didn't make it any easier the next time. Um, but I think people realize what type of job I was doing. I think people realize what type of integrity I have. And um, if those two guys. Uh, had you know Nick came back and finished his degree um, and I still talk to Nick too um, you know I think you know Nick says uh, he said at that time I just wasn't doing the right things and and yeah there was some uh, there was some blame thrown out there um, and there was some blame thrown at me um, and but I didn't you know and so but I was able to just kind of say well what else am I going to do and I lived with it for a while um, I lived with it, you know, you know, to a point that I felt uncomfortable with it, and um, I thought about, you know, maybe this, this, that was, that was the reason I didn't want to get into football to begin with. And that's exactly what goes back to what I was saying. I did not want that to happen. Um, but in the end, I had good leadership on my side. I had people telling me, um, you know, you're very good at what you do. Um, you, we're very structured. We have mandatory tutoring, and. Um, this is not on you. This is on them. Let's go back and look at the number of tutor misses during the semester. Let's go back and look at the number of class misses during the semester. Let's go back and look at what they didn't do. And I think we all knew the answer. Uh, it's just that uh, at that time, um, I didn't feel it was very fair for somebody to feel um, that I was the cause of that. I think the cause of that was those kids lacked structure to begin with. And, and just to be clear, you're saying – from football, there was pe- some pe- people were blaming you for not, for not fudging the numbers or looking the other way or just making some sort of correction just to make sure they were eligible. Well, there's really nowhere else somewhere else to go. I mean, like I said, when you try to eligibility is critical, but at that point, you have to remember in August, I had already relayed the message in August hmm. that okay, these guys are eligible. They're taking their last twelve hours. You have to take, you have to take degree applicable hours you can't take electives they don't count toward the bowl when you know you need six hours of required hours to go to the bowl game or you need a 2.0 gpa your senior year so you can't go back and fudge that you used to be able to do that with the old rules the old ncaa rules would allow you if you wanted to you could take any classes you wanted their last year and it didn't have to be degree applicable as long as they had the GPA. And there'd be people taking classes that didn't count toward their degree just so they could play. Well, the NCAA changed all that in 2003, and all your hours have to be degree applicable. 
So you can't take excess electives just to maintain eligibility. So there was no, you know, there's there's no way to hide in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what helps today's group is that today's group they go six hours summer one and six hours summer two. It gives you so much more flexibility to deal with them in season and gives you a chance to take maybe some of your harder, you know, let's face it, the kids across the United States, they're behind the eight ball in math and science. It's not just athletes. It's kids across the board. And you talk to any kid today and they'll say, I don't want to take a foreign language. I don't want to take math. I don't want to take biology. Well, by virtue of going to being able to go to summer school, you're able to pick up a math in summer school. You're able to pick up a biology in summer school. And if you could do that, it kind of makes you, while you're in season, to be able to kind of maybe lean on a schedule that's not so difficult. I remember, and you, I know you remember this, every year in August, late August, as a reporter, I was like, okay, i got to find out who's, which of these incoming freshmen are academically ineligible. Not just here, everywhere. I mean, that was, it, ha- it was a common um, occurrence in, in, in college football. Now you never see it, or you seldom see it. Is that because the kids are enrolling early? A lot of them enroll in, in, in January, and, and then the kids who do enroll over the summer, instead of showing up, uh, on January 31st and starting camp, they're showing up like the first or second summer session. Is that why that's like a thing of the past? Oh, I think that helps them tremendously. I think being able to come in, not that they can only come in in January and they can learn the offense or defense. They can learn, you know, they, they can learn the football side of it. They come in also when they're not in season and they're able to build that structure and they're able to build what it takes. I think that's the biggest shock to these kids. It's like, wow, I got to be here at eight o'clock. I got to be here at nine o'clock. I got to be here at 10 o'clock. And that's the hardest transition to make because let's face it, their senior year, they're either getting late arrival or early dismissal. Kids aren't doing anything their senior year. Then they got to Then they go to college and they feel like they're getting hit upside the head with a ton of bricks. Oh no. I got to get I got to get humping. So I guess that's a huge advantage because if you think about it, a kid comes in January, and passes twelve hours. Kid goes summer one, gets six. Kid goes summer two, and gets six. He gets twenty four hours before he even can be steps on the field. Twenty four hours. And another thing too is when we went to school, it was one hundred thirty five hours to graduate. Now it's one hundred twenty. Mm-hmm. So you get twenty four hours, and then you go through the fall program, and you get twelve hours. You get thirty six hours. You play one season, and you're well over 25% towards your degree. In 2007, I think, the Dwight Jones, uh, he, he, Dwight Jones, highly regarded receiver, I think was going to come here, ended up at North Carolina because of Clemson's uh, admissions requirements. It created a whole brouhaha that resulted in Dabo, who was the receivers coach at the time, being a part of this committee that was convened to sort of better address situations like that. Did you have a good window into that at the time? I had no window into that. Um, Basically, because parents would call or somebody would call and say, is my son going to get in? And I said, and the best way for me to explain that was, I start working with your son once he's a member of the Clemson football team. That even happens when people come in for orientation. You'd be surprised the kids that come in in orientation in August and they're coming through your office and they'll say, well, I'm here because I'm going to be on the football team. And I go, well, until you're on the football team, 
I said, are you going to walk on? They go, yeah. I said, well, walk on tryouts aren't until August. I said, until you're on that roster that's given to me, you, there's no interaction between the two of us. What did you make of Dabo Sweeney when he was the receiver's coach? Well, you know, Dabo and I went back with Dabo, and I had a big time with uh, Curtis Bam. Uh, Curtis Bam was fantastic with Sheer. Curtis Bam is funny. Curtis Bam and I are still friends. We still still talk. We still text. Uh, but Curtis had a little class attendance, you know, in uh, his senior year, and we were getting him to graduate and uh, getting Curtis where he needed to be. And so we had a couple of sessions in Coach Sweeney's office. And so, you know, you, you knew then, you know, Coach Sweeney was like, basically, I got a job to do, and that's coach receivers, and I ain't really don't have time to be spending time with you nor Curse, as far as this is concerned. So um, I kind of – that was the only time that I had with him as an assistant coach uh, because when we did grade reports, we would go in at 8 o'clock, and Tommy would sit at the head of the table, and the assistant coaches would be around, and I would hand out a grade report. And then the coaches would look over the grade report – and then the coaches had a chance to ask any questions that they needed to ask. Um, and then if they didn't ask any questions, I was free to go. But usually we ended up talking about the guys that were somewhat in trouble, maybe not in trouble. Um, one of the best, best things that one guy ever did for me was Vic Coning was a defensive coordinator. And Cresdon Butler came by my office one day and goes, Man, he said, Coach Vic's just going crazy down there over the grade report. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, he put everybody's name on the board that has a D or an F and put the D or F next to their name. And he said, and your name's going to be up there in front of everybody until you get the D and the F off, off the, you know, you got to get your name off. So these guys actually picked it up. <laughs> they, Cresnon Butler would come in my office and he goes, now, I can't get that, all, that D off there because Coach Koenig says, you got to call him and, tell him and take the D off. So I didn't start it, but Coach Koenig started. He said, I want my name off there. Public said, ridicule yeah, actually I don't works. Want my, I don't want my name up there. So he said, so he come in you know, with a test and say, here, look, isn't it, get, you know, look on Blackboard, check my grade. My grade now, I got a C average right there. You get my name off there. And so it actually was, uh, it actually was a great, it was a really good idea. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it was, it's kind of fun at the time. Do you remember when Dabo got hit for a secondary NCAA violation over the summer, I think of 03, Kelvin Grant missed a class, I think, and Dabo ran him. Ran him. And I guess they had to report that. And I remember Dabo's quote, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm 100% guilty. <laughs> I was running my kid for missing class. What's your... Uh, recollection of that well i think that that's a uh my recollection is that like i said i was still able to separate um i was still able to separate the academics from the football side of it uh i loved it um it's just strange that somebody cannot be in contact with somebody at that time um kelvin grant was a kid at the time that just he just wouldn't go to class he just would uh we even you know he even uh had a bad ankle sprain or hurt his knee and we even sent the golf cart over to pick him up and take him to class if a, if a student athlete has an injury, any sport that they can't, they're on crutches or they're in a cast, we actually, Victory Hall is the one that actually picks them up in a golf cart, but they can't take them off campus. It's got to be on campus. So if they live off campus, they would have to drive, and then we'd meet them at Tillman and, and take them to class and then bring them back. But Kelvin actually lived in Thornhill Village, and we'd send the golf cart over there, 
And he'd open the door and look out and go, I ain't going to school today. <laughs> so you'd be like, so, yeah. And so then you come, they come back, they go, Kelvin said he ain't going to school. So Kelvin's not going to school. You got to get in touch with the coach. Coach's got to get, you know, coach's got to get the kid. The coach really doesn't have time for this. And so you're back and forth. And, and you know what? You hate to, to do that because, you know, at the time, Clemson had a rule you can only have five class misses. And, um, you know, the first two misses were the coaches got to do something about it. But, you know, that last miss, um, they had to miss. I think we, we got the rule finally straightened out to where I, I talked to some people and said, we need to send a message to take them out of practice before you take them out of a competition. Going straight to a competition was not really not fair. So we got to a point where we'd take them out of practice, and then if they couldn't practice, everybody knew, okay, the next miss, it's going to cost you a game. And, you know, we had a couple of guys. You know, Nathan Bennett didn't play South Carolina game his senior year. He missed a class that, uh, prior to the South Carolina game. And um, C.J. Gaddis missed over the limit in the spring, and he missed a game the following fall, the mm-hmm. opener in the fall. Those are the only two guys that I know that missed because of class attendance. And so that tells you the entire time that we've been doing this. So if anybody thinks that student-athletes aren't going to class, they're sadly mistaken because uh, they actually are uh, – we actually have class checks. And so they're mandated to go to class. So it's not a, a uh, well, I don't feel good today. Or if I ever heard that, if a guy called me and said, hey, I don't feel good today, I said, you know my rule. If, you don't feel, if you're not good enough to go to class, you're not good enough to practice. So I'm going to call coach and tell him you're sick. And they most of the, 99% of the time they go, no, I'll go. And they'd go to class and then they'd go to practice because they knew they weren't going to miss practice. And so really, uh, that's really not an issue. That's really, class attendance not an issue. But once again, it goes back to the structure that we currently have. One of 13 children? One of 13. Dad was married three times. Um, Mom died when I was seven, cancer. My dad died uh, when I was 18. He was 45, had a heart attack. So kind of, you know, got hooked up with sports. You know, it's a true story. You know, you, you can either go down this path, you go down this path. So hooked up with sports, played football, basketball. Wasn't very good at either one of them. Um, got into running. Uh, ended up winning state, you know, broke state record in two miles, indoor and outdoor my senior year. Um, I did all kinds of jobs. Um, got recruited. Uh, didn't even know. I thought when I graduated from high school, I was just going to go back and work, you know. Uh, true story. The guys laughed that I hang around with. Uh, East Tennessee coach asked me if I would taken the SAT, and I said, what's the SAT? Hmm. That's how uneducated I was to the process. I had no idea what the SAT was. Um, so my high school coach kind of took over and said, hey, you need to take the SAT and, and uh, you need to graduate and let me deal with this, you know, with these scholarship offers. So, um, so I was a high school All-American that uh, really just all I did, you know, I don't know, ran as hard as I could, worked as hard as I could and um, had an opportunity. And so it's and and it just kind of just being in the right place at the right time, you know. Thank the Lord for taking care of me, looking out for me. And uh, once I graduated from Clemson, I just kind of stayed here, you know, because where else was I going to go? You know, I, I I got a job and uh, 
got married here. Both my kids are Clemson grads. My wife's a Clemson grad. Um, so, yeah, 13. Became a Packer fan because grew up in a Northern Virginia, grew up in a Redskin Cowboy household. Dad's Redskins, Mom's Cowboys, mm. my brother's Cowboys. Um, uh, I tease my brothers all the time. They go, Dallas is, uh, uh, you know, I talked to them about the, I said, there's only been one Super Bowl played in Dallas Stadium, and Green Bay won that Super Bowl. <laughs> it wasn't Dallas. They won that Super Bowl. So let them all know that. So without sports, where would you be? No question. No doubt. Could have been drugs. Probably, eh. I'd have just, I'd have been, I'd have been Joe Blow. I'd have, I'd have worked forty hour a week, fifty hour a week. I had, a, I had, a, I had some, I had some good jobs. Um, I, could, I'd have gotten a job. I'd have paid the rent. I'd have got a car. I'd have paid for my car. I'd have just worked. That's all I'd have done. I'd have worked. Now I don't know what type of work I'd have done. So. Um, but I would have been, I'd have been okay. I just had too good of a, I have too good of a work ethic, and I'm, and I'm too blue collar. Um, you know, those things don't happen anymore. I mean, I mean, back in the day, you, you could make money shoveling walks, and you, they don't do that anymore. But I remember I'd be the only one that'd get out of bed. That the, the, there was such a wide range of age in my family that there were the most that was at home was nine. There were um, seven guys and um, two sisters that lived at home. And I lived in that. My room was two bunk beds on one side, bunk beds on one side, bunk beds on the other. Four, four brothers, four of us lived in one room. And um, so if it would snow, I'd get up and I'd get my snow gear on. And I'd go house to house and I'd shovel sidewalks and I'd come back and they'd all still be in bed. And I would have, I'd have some money. Um, I had a paper route and I used to run my paper route. I used to run down the middle of the street and just, you know, chuck my papers and see how fast I could get through my route. Um, so I'd have, I'd have just worked. I'd have worked and paid the bills, and I'd have still been happy. What part of Northern Virginia was this? Winchester. Winchester. How big was the house? Eh, one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four four bedroom house. So had four brothers in one, three brothers in one, two sisters in one, and, and uh, dad in the other. And what did your dad do? He was a mechanic. He was the best mechanic in Winchester. He was really good. Really good mechanic, but it's just a stress. Third marriage, separated from mom. She took her children. I was with him. I was just getting ready to go to college uh, that June, and uh, and he had a heart. They called me and said he had a heart attack. Um, so it was you know tough. He died, actually had a heart attack while he was at work, working under a car. So uh, you know those are those were tough. So that's what made I me. Mean, that made it. I mean I know. I teach my kids. I tell my kids, hey, look, um, you know, that kind of stuff built character. You know, I said, there's nothing I haven't seen. And that's what I'm saying. That's the truth in relaying my job to talking to some, working with some of these guys. Some, you know, Bashar Breeland came from Allendale, South Carolina. I mean, you're talking hard as nails. And, you know, but so being able to relate to him and being able to, um, you know, he's only 12 hours away from graduating. I mean, to get him that far and to get him to this point, Gary Peters calls back. Gary Peters said, you rode me so hard. He said, you just grinded on me all the time. He says, but he said, I graduated, and he said, I thank you for it. So, you know, I, I, I can relate that to my growing up. You know, you just work hard, stick in, keep your nose, mind your own business, and grind, and everything will turn out all right. 
80,000 fans show up in that stadium about 300 yards from where we're sitting seven times a year and everybody's obsessed with what happens on that field but do people appreciate enough you know what it's like for a Bashad Breeland to be plopped onto a college campus which might as well be Mars compared to where he came from do we spend enough time thinking about that talking about that no I don't think that I, I think if in all honesty I think it's win or lose with them 80,000 but <clears throat> when you think back to the other moments you know when they come out there and they have the NFL time trials out there and the end of, and uh Maylock and those guys come out there and they're out there running around and Deshaun Williams's mother they're asking what kind of character does this kid have and what does this kid do and what does that kid do and Deshaun Williams looks at one of those NFL scouts his mother said and Grady Jarrett's mom were there they said I don't know why you're talking to them coaches they said you talk to that guy right over there said that guy right over there knows these guys about as well as anybody you yeah yeah said that's the guy who knows he said whether what they do outside of football whether they're structured whether they're going to hit the books whether they're going to study you know i've always thought that i always always told grady jarrett i said the day comes you're done nfl career i said you're going to be able to put on a coat and tie and walk in any building and i said people are going to line up to hire you or he'll probably have his own business but um so no the eighty thousand. You know, I, 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 I think that's all they're thinking about is winning that game. I think there's a large crowd out there. I think the biggest time that people think about them graduating is like when December comes and <clears throat> the fact that, you know, there's 17 or 18 guys on the team right now that currently have their degree. And at the in December, I think there's going to be 23 or 24 that are going to have their degree. And I think once graduation comes – I think that's where the thought process comes in. And when May comes and August comes, when they graduate, they see them in the robes. I think that that's a, uh, I think that that's something that, um, that's when the switch comes on. But once again, I told you we could separate academics from football. I think uh, when those 80,000 are separating football from academics at that time. What's the most remarkable academic story you've been a part of with Clemson Athletes? Well, it's not really a remarkable academic story. Um, Vic Beasley wants to go to dental school. He kept bugging me about going to dental school. And Vic Beasley would go in and switch his classes. And I'd go back and say, Vic, you can't switch your classes because you have to take classes towards your degree to be eligible. You just can't take classes you're interested in or classes you want to take. So he's eligible. He's smart. Vic's off the chain smart. Vic Beasley comes in. He goes, so one summer he comes to my office. He goes, I want to take chemistry. He said, that way I, I can prepare me for dental school. He said, he'll still. If you ever doubt me, you want to go to dental school. I said, Vic, chemistry? So Vic actually takes chemistry that summer. And I go down to check on him. And the teacher says, Vic Beasley is one of the best students I got. He mm. said, he's here early. He uh, does all his labs. And he ends up making a B in chemistry that summer. And it goes to show you if you're interested in something and you want to, you want to do something, you obviously can do that. Um, so that's just one of, one of interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, like I said, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to pick out one guy, you know, that would do that. I think it's interesting how far we've come that so many uh, student athletes now are graduating early and working on their master's. 
I think that says a lot for the program, uh, how far the program has come. It's, um, but to go back and pick one, one, you know, one guy, one thing is kind of, kind of difficult. What's your reaction when you hear cynics say, "Oh, that's just a bunch of jock majors, and they're just in eligibility maintenance and sort of pushing them through?" Well, I think there's, you know, people say that because there is time limitations and it is difficult. But Tyler Shatley graduated from Clemson with a over a 3.0 in electrical engineering. And he also has played many years with the Jacksonville Jags. Um, and Tyler Shatley um, wanted to be an engineer. His dad came on a recruiting visit and said, are we going to, somebody going to try to talk him out of being an engineer once he gets here? And he was told that he could be an engineer if he wanted to be an engineer. So you can do that if you want. I think a lot of the student athletes choose to go into these majors not based off because they're easy majors. It goes back to what I told you initially. It's not just student athletes. Students coming out of high school today are ill-prepared to take majors with a lot of math and a lot of science and foreign language. And so when you decide, when you start sitting down talking to an 18-year-old and they say, I'm, I, I'm really not good at math, I'm really not good at science, I don't know any foreign language, then what do you really expect somebody's going to do? You know, and and uh, so that makes it you know that makes it that makes it difficult. But I've always been under the, the uh, impression that if you were to get a degree and you were on time and you were highly structured, that once you got into the job interview, it really wouldn't make any difference what your degree was in. If somebody knew they could count on you, and somebody knew you were ready to go to work. And these kids already work 60 or 70 hours a week as it is, so you're not going to hurt them when you bring them in there 40-hour week. They're going you know, to chew a 40-hour week up and spit it out. So they're not afraid of work. And so they usually find a path that's for them. But would they like to be, all be business majors? Sure they would. Do you want to put them in a major that has business calculus one and business calculus two and, and they can't? participate in the sport they want to participate in so you know you kind of got to look at both sides of it tell us the story about brett Favre coming to, to, to clemson during august camp this this a couple months ago oh man i actually you know my wife when i first met my wife she said you know i'm gonna need a house at the beach and so we're both retired i'm semi-retired she's retired so we did buy a house at the beach and uh on away games we're down there on home games we're up here so we're a week down there and a week here. But I'm actually at the beach house on Tuesday night, and Dabo texts me and says, where are you? And I said, I'm at the beach. Why? He goes, that's a shame. He said, because very few people know this. He said, only a handful of people know this, and don't tell anybody. <laughs> but Brett Farr's coming to talk to the team tomorrow. And I said, uh, I'm on my way. I gassed my car up about 10, 15 at night, and I drove through the night and got back home about 3 and uh, wasn't anybody on the road but me and 18 wheelers and I got back in and I went over there sat down and um, sat outside and dad turned up he comes out and he goes what are you waiting on I said well I'm waiting on to see Brett he goes come on let's go so he takes me in there and I actually walk in and Dabo and Brett and Bus Cook and Woody are sitting there and just got to walk in and 
you know, you just like, okay, wow. So anyway, I got his autograph. Um, I asked him about the touchdown he threw to Andre Risen. He talked about the zero set. He said that Bill Parcells at the New England Patriots, the two weeks prior to studying film, he said they had never come out in a zero set. They had played zone. He said they came out in a zero set. And he says, I got all the way out of this. And he's really doubting himself, he said, but he looks at Antonio Freeman, Antonio Freeman nods, you know, and so basically he said Antonio Freeman's basically saying, if Ryzen doesn't run the right route, I'll run it, throw it to me. But Ryzen, you know, is wide open and Green Bay goes up 7 nothing. So, you know, getting a chance to, you know, see those guys, um, you know, my, my son got his picture taken with Aaron Rodgers under the goalpost in Lambeau Field when Rodgers was a rookie. Um, we had pregame passes. They come running by, and I grab his hoodie, and he goes, "It goes Brett. I go, you'll never get to him. So we go over there, and Rogers is by the goalpost, and uh, I ask Rogers if he goes, oh, I can't believe I get my pictures taken with Aaron Rodgers. He said, he's not Brett Farr, and to this day, now my son's got that picture, and I sent it back and got it autographed, and he's always like, you know, so that's kind of special. So I don't know. You know, Brett is, uh, you know, if you think about Green Bay and Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had Lynn Dickey in there in the middle, but, I mean, that's three big-timers right there. And I also have Bart Starr's autograph from uh, going over to see him speak in Michelin. So kind of having the opportunity. And for Dabo to think that much of me, I think my best friend at my wedding called me that uh, the next day, and he, took, he looked at it different. And my wife said the same thing. She said, do you know what, what Coach Sweeney thinks of you? to call you first and ask you, did you want to come back and meet Brett Farr? So, obviously, that goes back to um, maybe, I, maybe I did some things right as an academic advisor. You also told me that at one point, because you would text Dabo these words of wisdom on Sundays, and you said, hey, should I stop? Am I bothering you? Is this too much? And he right. said, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, he likes them. Tracy really likes them. And uh, I got them both on a text, and I usually do it on Sunday, and I text them. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's kind of, you know, the leaves turn brown was one of my sayings. And and uh, when I told everybody in high school, I told the, uh, <clears throat> that's the one he read to the team last week that I didn't know he, that he had read to the team. I told him that at the state meet, I was a cocky high school kid and didn't know any better. And I told the other 11 guys at the state meet in Virginia that there was a, uh, there was a second place trophy for them over there that they uh, that first was taken and then I ran 9-11 and broke the state record in two miles and took my first place trophy and went home but um, you know and so it's you know there's there is a second place trophy my daughter loves that saying she said there's a second place trophy it's just not for the Kaufmans so it's good and so I try and some of them I'm serious you know I'm serious you know I just I just try to uh, you know if I can contribute and uh, if I think it can help motivate because I think motivation is critical um, and he's a he's a tremendous motivator, so uh, he's been inspiring to me. And so I think, uh, and and you can't get close to head coaches like that. It's very difficult to get close to head coaches like that. And he allows you to, he allows you to get close to him and almost be in a friendly situation. But at the same time, there are expectations, and you need to do your job. You need to do what you're what you're hired to do. So even though, you know feel good everything's great still expected to f- perform at a high level as an academic advisor you ever met anybody like him 
Ever what? Ever met anybody like that? No, no. He, no, he's he's unique. I tell people I, I can see where he would sell cars. Um, reminds me a little bit. I told my wife. Reminds me a little bit of myself. I felt very. I was a, I was a really good recruiter. Um, I could make the parents feel comfortable. Um, I uh, got a degree in business. He got a degree in business. I mean, you know. And so I just, you know, I just. Uh, I just there's a lot of things. Uh, uh, he had some household situations, home situations. I had some home situations. So, you know, I, I kind of uh, feel like I'm kind of walking, you know, you know, in a similar path sometimes. Have you told him your story? No, you know, I think, you know, I don't know that. I, I think he's really, I think he's really, really busy. I think there'll come a time when, when he will uh, sit down with me, you know, you know, and uh, a lot of times now, if I really want to get to him, I go through Tracy. I mean, I know he's busy, and I think that's one thing he appreciates. He knows that I know that he has a job to do right now, and uh, dealing with somebody like me is not, um, you know, it's not going to help him get wins and losses. So really, if I was to spend any time with him or sit down and talk to him, it would be sometime in the off season or something, but it would have to be something that he – I'm still trying to get him to go to your pie. <laughs> his favorite pizza is a pepperoni pizza and i've invited him several times down there to come back to your pine sit down have a pepperoni pizza and uh you know and uh maybe chat for a little bit but uh, maybe that day will come we'll see i'm sure he'll take you up on it sometime cheech is there anything we haven't talked about that you're you want to you, you, you man you came prepared you got like <clears throat> this piece of notebook paper with things written down. I'm sure. Well, I didn't no, something. we've already talked about I'm head coach. I can offer more than a normal person. Can I make the person better? Brooks and Hobby. I used to tell coaches, "Hey, look, you're getting a five star athlete, but you're not giving me a five star academic guy." So we got our jobs harder than yours. What if I had a five star academic guy? What if I had a 1600 SAT and sent him down the football field? <laughs> Who's, so who's really getting who's doing the tougher tougher coaching job here right yeah you're getting a lot of Hunter Renfro's academically and so <laughs> I had that written down here so uh, and then of course you know the last thing I had down here Sam Colson hired me here and he started the program and we talked about my wife and children and the only other thing I had down that we didn't touch on is you know the Barbara Kennedy Dixon thing it, it, just, it still hurts mm. I mean it's just um, I mean you know she was in charge of Tiger Trust we worked together uh, there was a People that uh, do the psychological services use Barbara's office on Monday. So if Barbara came in on Monday, she had to sit with me over in my office. And we had these, we got both got offices over here. Um, I call it Little Vickery, they call it the Neary Center. And uh, so the last graduation in May, I mean, I've worked side by side with her for the better part of two weeks to prepare for graduation. And I learned so much about her and I learned so much more about her. And to to have all this just come, you know, she went through so many battles. And so you just knew she was going to come out of it again. She mm-hmm. always talked about, I'm going to come out of it again, I'm going to come out of it again. And this time she didn't come out of it. And I think that's just kind of, that just kind of sticks with me. I mean, I've got, you know, I put her legacy up in my office, uh, I got a couple of pictures of her and her legacy of the last graduating class. It's, she was in charge with the Tiger Trust, and I just, you know, I see it when I go into the office, and it's just kind of, it just hasn't, it just hasn't left yet. It just kind of just stays there, and um, so, and maybe that's, maybe that's a great thing. Maybe that's a good thing um, because she was surely, uh, 
surely somebody, and I talked to Tim Beret about that, and he came in 78, and I came in 78, and he said Jeff Davis came in 78, you know, and so, I mean, that was that was a good time, but no, I think it's always, uh, I think we kind of, I think we kind of hit the 40 years. Barbara and I talked about 40 years. Um, so I'm 60 years old, so I spent 40 years, my 60 years in Clemson. And uh, I can't, you know, like I said, I, I don't think you could script it. You know, some people say I should write a book, but I don't think you could script it any any, any better than it is. You know, uh, Andy Johnson and I became real close. And and so I was. it's just... Um, it's just been a great ride. I mean, it's fantastic, and I'm on. You know, I'm, I'm part of. I'm on the Clemson Hall of Fame selection committee, and I'm actually in the Clemson Hall of Fame. And so, you know, those type of things to be able to still be part of those things. I was on the um, Ring of Honor committee, but I got I got taken off of that. Um, so, message for the Ring of Honor people: they can put Kim Graham anytime they want to. I'm still waiting for that. Hmm. So we'll see if that happens anytime soon. You mentioned Jeff Davis. What do you think about the job that the Paul Journey has done? Because a lot of that's hand in hand with the with what we've been talking about with these. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of hand in hand. Matter of fact, I actually did career um, when I first went to Vickery. Um, we actually um, I was in charge of correcting resumes. Uh, we had a career program. We actually had companies come in at Vickery Hall, and we'd set it up over there. And then we actually had a box over here where I would bring in companies for home football games. We had the very end box right here, and I'd bring in companies, and then I would bring seniors up with their resumes um, at halftime of the game to try to uh, help the student-athletes at least get some type of touch with some professional experience. But you had to have your own... Uh, to have your own in-shop, um, it's just one more thing that makes the program exceptional, just like having your own um, barbershop. Because the first time Saketa and I were in Lambeau Field, we were in the basement of Lambeau Field, and Gilbert Brown was in the barbershop chair. And we met Leroy Butler, <laughs> uh, Henderson from North Carolina, the fullback, and Gilbert Brown was in the chair. And we actually talked to Leroy Butler, and he talked about the punt ruski. And William Henderson said he had nothing to say because he was 0-4 when he was a member of the North Carolina team against Clemson. <laughs> so having your own barbershop, having your own, you know, your own career center, having your own – those are things that uh, not having to – those are things that not having to go out and do those other type of things outside. You have those things in-house, saves time. When you come straight from practice – and you can have a meal there instead of having to go to the dining hall, you save time. And time is money. Um, so I've always said that, time is money. And uh, we have that at the Neary Center. All the student athletes can come and they can swipe their card and they can get a meal between coming from practice and going up on campus. And it saves them time and saves them effort. So anytime you can get those type of programs inside, you, uh, and you can get them in-house, it just gives you another competitive advantage. Wayne Kaufman, we will let you finish that trifecta uh, pint that you that you have, and thank you so much for your time. This has been a pleasure. Uh, I know that uh, all the podcast listeners are gonna are gonna really enjoy it. 
Well, awesome. So now I can get uh, introduced to podcast, and uh, I can get up to date. My son calls me a dinosaur. He says, Dad, you got to get in the game. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. We'll get you out of the prehistoric times and, and into the, the podcast realm. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I know that uh, y'all just caught that baseball card that uh, that nobody wants to buy on eBay, but I saw a sheet of 20. <laughs> so I'm thinking about going back and getting my buying my own cards up. Thank you, Wayne. All right. Take, take care. care. Thanks. All right, that was a fun little rewind there, trip down memory lane. We probably need to have Cheech back on, given all the craziness that has unfolded and all the the different landscape with college athletics right now with the transfer portal, NIL, and things that I don't think it's outrageous to conclude or sort of chipping away at the uh, emphasis on academics and graduation. Enormously appreciative of the continued support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And of course, appreciate all of you for hitting that play button every week. Everybody have a wonderful new year. Enjoy the game Friday. And we'll be back in 2023. Cheers.